0: this is crossroads the get religion
1: podcast i prayed a lot to god during this time and you know what god did answer our prayers he made the smartest men and women the scientists the doctors the researchers he made them come up with a vaccine that is from god to us And we must say, thank you, God. Thank you. And I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say, I'm vaccinated. All of you. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones. But you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know this. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. We love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another. And how do you show that love, but to care about each other enough to say, please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live. I want our kids to be safe when they're in schools. I want you to be safe when you go to a doctor's office or to a hospital and are treated by somebody you don't want to get the virus from them.
2: That is New York Governor Kathy Hochul speaking at a Brooklyn megachurch on Sunday. She had a lot to say that the unvaxxed are not really the smart ones, that they're not listening to God. And... She called upon her audience to be her vaccination apostles. Why aren't these statements, aren't these comments in The New York Times? Greetings and welcome to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Terry is senior fellow at the Overbee Center at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. And he's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. Terry, we couldn't find a story about Governor Hochul's God and Vaccine Statement in the New York Times, and it's now, by my account, third day of the regular work week. If President Trump had made a similar statement at Omega Church, do you think it would have been front page Monday morning on the New York Times? Well, that depends on what he said.
0: I think if you look back historically, it's not a very big story when Donald Trump says something good in the eyes of the the major press. But when he says something good, that's kind of like the clock being right twice a day. You know, and you just kind of move on. I mean, when Franklin Graham and Robert Jeffries came out in favor of the vaccine and kind of all but called it a work of God, that got coverage, but you didn't see it on page one anywhere. But imagine the response if... Trump had gone into First Baptist Dallas or to an actual thriving megachurch today and have said the opposite. At that point, it's banner headlines. The major networks would have done some sort of special on it, you know, that this was the church state crisis of our age or something like that. And of course, Trump played both sides of his audience so blatantly during that period of time. With the visuals of taking the mask off all the time, yet also with the speeches saying "I got vaccinated," your choice is your own, but I think you should do it. He he knew how to send shots over both bows, to put it you know, in maybe a, an awkward way. the The other reason that this isn't a big story is where the governor made these remarks. She is talking in perhaps the most powerful. African American or predominantly African American church in the entire New York City area as a New York Times profile said about 5 or 6 years ago in a pr- talking about the pastor of the church this church is quote a required stop for anyone headed to quote on the way to city hall and beyond i mean so her being there and delivering this type of message is is from the viewpoint of the times This is New York City politics normal. This is just what people do.
2: So no story. Now, conservatives often decry the media for being secularized. Is this true?
0: Well, no. I mean, this is something you and I have discussed many, many times. I think I even made this a major point at the Issues Etc. conference two years ago or so. There's good religion and there's bad religion. This is an example of good religion, which means that it's news sort of i mean it's you know it can be news, it depends on the news day depends on what's said, et cetera but bad news on the covid vaccine would be huge, as we've seen, even though white evangelical vaccination rates are somewhere in the middle of the religion spectrum and they're perfectly normal for white evangelicals above the age of 60 or so, the status of white evangelicals and the COVID vaccines just remains a huge ongoing news story. And I would add validly so in certain zip codes across the country. I'm not saying that it's not a a serious issue. However, if you contrast the coverage of white evangelicals with the very important and very significant problems for vaccine numbers in black churches across America, especially in rural areas and in parts of some urban areas, there's just nowhere near the coverage. So I think the fact that the governor went to this very powerful church with a very powerful pastor who's kind of considered a bit of a conservative who has learned how to politically moderate his language in New York City, and has had close contacts with both Republicans and Democrats, and a very good friend of the Clintons, for example. I think it's not news for her to go there, because also, if you made it big news, you'd really then have to get into an exploration of why so many Blacks have trouble with the vaccines and this is something that i don't think has received nearly as much coverage as it should and frankly i think black churches there are great examples of them doing work to promote the vaccines or to comfort people and to work with their fears but then there's an awful lot of african-american leaders on the other side kind of like the white evangelicals
2: i want you to comment if you would on one thing in that vein Before we talk more about the media coverage of it, she did say at one point offhandedly in her comments, I know that you're vaccinated, speaking to her largely African American audience. And then she said, You're the smart ones. And to me, that was almost a Biden esque kind of a statement, fraught with great political danger, very thin ice in saying the unvaccinated are not smart, or perhaps by inference, African Americans who are unvaccinated are not spot all couched well, within her kind of divine revelation of the vaccine.
0: Well well yeah i mean but she knows the congregation that she is at and she knows that there are probably unvaccinated people in that congregation but she knows the leadership is absolutely on her side. And i would love to dig up some sermons that have mentioned covid during the last year and a half or so from pastor bernard but I don't think that's thin ice for her to say that in this particular congregation. Once again, I need to stress, it is not news for the mainstream press when the African-American church plays the political role in the black community that it has played for decades. That's normal. That's not a threat to American democracy. The rise of the religious right, and specifically the attachment between many in the religious right with Donald Trump, that's the Mongol hordes invading from Northern Europe, you know, into Rome. It's a threat to everything. So once again, there's good religion, and there's bad religion. And yeah, there there's a tendency that good religion is whatever fits well with the op-ed page or the editorial page of the New York Times, and bad religion is what conflicts with it, which makes coverage of her speech automatically a conservative story. If you think there's anything unusual about what she did, you just don't understand New York. So that's a conservative news story. And if the Times covered it I'm sure it would be a glowing story, it would be extremely positive. Uh, I do think this was news, quite frankly. I'm looking at the text and I'm asking some friends about it, including one with a New York background. I'm not surprised it didn't get coverage because it's business as usual.
2: So what else stood out to you in the news coverage that there was of Kathy Hochul's statements on God and the vaccine?
0: Well, I mean, what people are going to be very hesitant to talk about here is whether a lot of her language was appropriate. I'm sure you remember the coverage of some of the rather embarrassing times when Hillary Clinton tried to campaign in black churches and tried to get free and colloquial and casual and excited, and the language just didn't come out well. The reference to, you need to be my apostles, I, I predict that when she said that, the African-American Christians connected to her staff or to Democratic politics kind of winced when she said that. That's not very comfortable evangelical language or black church language. You know how sometimes when Donald Trump tried to get up in front of evangelicals and, like, speak their language, and it, it sounded like something that had gone through, like, an evangelical Google Translate? you know, where the the images just didn't fit. There's a little bit of that here, but, you know, she probably ran this past several members of her staff who knew this church well. So I think there was language here that was quite unusual. It was pretty strong, but, you know, nothing struck me immediately as a New York Post headline waiting
2: to happen. I did see some coverage, and again, this was in kind of the... More obscure edges of the media, highlighting the fact that by saying "I need you to be my apostles," even on something like a political stage in a church, referencing the vaccine, but I think one headline said compares herself to Jesus Christ.
0: (laughs) No, I, I, that's just no. I think that's going too far. If you want to read a really interesting take on this, readers might want to head over. To a blog at Pathos called the Friendly Atheist, and what's really interesting is to watch this atheist blogger, kind of running cover for her, and making sure that the atheist readers knew that there was nothing actually very threatening about this. You know, she wasn't making any church-state claims that we wouldn't agree with, etc. And that you know, this it's it's kind of a, a fascinating thing to watch in that context. So the language like i said she grew up irish catholic and it's clear that she's trying to like turn the volume level on the religious speak up from maybe 3 or 4 she's trying to get it up to about 6 or 7 to where she sounds like she's at home there and affirming you know of the spirituality of that sort of context it could have been worse but like i said the new york post could probably turn the disciples thing or apostles thing into a, a headline, but it's not going to stick or last.
2: What are the basic questions that need to be asked by any kind of coverage of this statement at this New York church? What do reporters need to be asking if they're not asking that already?
0: Well, I think it's fascinating that you could have gone to the statements and this this occurred. I forget which story did this, whether it was uh, former Get Religionista Mark Kellner at the Washington Times, or whether this was at Yahoo, you could have gone to the statements from the pastor of First Baptist Church Dallas to Franklin Graham, and you would have seen some very similar theological claims. You know, that this was a good thing, it was a gift from God, it's acceptable, it's good for this. In fact, I, I did a little bit of hunting, This is not that far from the language used by Pope Francis in his endorsements, limited endorsements, but still endorsements nonetheless of the vaccine and urging people to do it. So it would also be interesting to know kind of how this church, to watch this in the future, how this church deals with her, her very strong support for Planned Parenthood and the usual things that come with being a New York City Catholic politician, Republican or Democrat, I would note. Giuliani was not exactly a um, catechism quoting person on life issues as well. So the story to me would be compare and contrast what she said with some of what was said by Graham Jeffress, the Pope, and others. I think you would find that It was uh, unusual for this to get no press coverage, but not surprising when you look at how the church tends to ignore the political context of much of what happens in the black church.
2: Governor Hochul has been fighting religious objections, even going so far as to say there is no legitimate religious exemption to a vaccine mandate. Is this relevant to her God talk?
0: Of course. Of course it is. In fact, you know, as I've been writing about it at Get Religion, the entire religious exemption, kind of how that compares with the history with Rifra and some other church state issues, it would be interesting to see what she has said about free speech issues related to this and other other church state scenarios, so to speak, here. But I, I really what I need to stress again is that it was completely perfectly normal for her to go to this particular pulpit standing with this particular pastor, preacher, and civic leader, who by the way, he himself endured a pretty strong case of COVID. This was a smart move. It was a normal move, and I think it deserved coverage, but once again, for all the reasons I've stated, it doesn't surprise me that it didn't get elite coverage, or, I mean, most of all, it's not surprising it didn't end up on, say, the, the evening television networks, or it didn't end up inspiring an hour of heated discussion at CNN. It could show up at Fox, and I hope if they do, they'll bring in some people who can speak, not automatically approvingly, but speak to the normalcy of this sort of relationship in the black church. But you're, you're right. It's more newsy if Trump goes to a white megachurch and tries to use religious language and tries to, to court them to his side on a crucial piece of political legislation or a stand on immigration or whatever. It deserved coverage. It didn't get it. Sadly, that's not surprising.
2: She made reference to Jesus' command is to love our neighbor. She inferred rather stro- or implied rather strongly that to go unvaccinated is to not love your neighbor. Would it be fair for a reporter to ask her, given what she said on Sunday, is it a sin to go unvaccinated? Good point. By the way, she needs
0: to look again at her own city and the community around her and look for the arguments that are being used in the black church and elsewhere in the black community on both sides of the vaccine talks. Instead of just calling them dumb, I think it would have been smart to have interacted some with the criticisms of the vaccines and with the fears among the black community of government mandates on this sort of thing. And by the way, to me, one of the more interesting stories, and I say this only because I'm a sports fan, you know, right now the point guard for the Brooklyn Nets is unvaccinated and is to some degree vaguely threatening that under the New York City policies and laws, you know, maybe I won't even get to play in half our games this next year because I won't be able to play for the Nets when we play, you know, a home series because of the way these mandates are worded and everything. And he's saying this. So this is cranking up the heat in ESPN and in the world of sports. Now, I have... Kyrie Irving is a rather unique person, so to speak, when it comes to his cultural and religious views. I seem to remember he has strong feelings on the fact that we live on a flat earth. Am I accurate on that, listeners?
2: I've heard something like that, yes.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like there is total unity in the black community of New York City, even. So, I mean— I think she should have done more than call the unvaccinated simply dumb. Whether she wanted to make it a matter of them being sinful, I think she did that in language that was smarter and more subtle. And like I said, I'd be stunned if this speech didn't go through several members of her staff or people there at the church who have probably worked with previous political leaders who have taken to the pulpit in that setting.
2: Would it be fair for a reporter to ask if there's any connection between her statements on Sunday and other statements about the firing of healthcare workers in New York and the deployment of the National Guard to fill their places in hospitals?
0: Totally. I mean, because once again, once you open this up as an example of God talk in the political environment of New York City and New York State, yeah, I think at that point, it's fair to ask all those kinds of questions totally
2: so will those questions get asked or has this story been very short-legged and run its course in a limited way through some of our media but not our others and not not to be revisited
0: you know i mean this is where if someone's going to write the big think piece it's probably going to occur at the atlantic or it's going to be written by one of the major religion writers. I mean, I could see the Associated Press religion team, especially they have the the fine religion reporter Peter Smith now writes for them. I could see this being handled very well by a veteran covering evangelicals and the black church, someone like Adele Banks at Religion News Service could surely write that piece. I know she could write that piece. And I wouldn't be surprised if it came out kind of down the road. On the other hand, since it's now been identified as a conservative story that you're supposed to pay attention to this and be maybe be concerned about this slightly, I wouldn't be surprised now if it just dropped.
2: It is quite evident that at least for the near term future, the issue of vaccine mandates and how it kind of highlights The national divide of the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated is not going away anytime soon. The president has this sitting on his desk, whether or not he likes it. And he's been just about as bold, not any God talk, but just about as bold in the shaming of the unvaccinated. Is this a message that the press needs to examine?
0: No, I think it's going to bring itself up with courts, because you're absolutely right. I mean, we talked about this when, just last week? This is going to lead to some valid church-state cases. And courts, you know, that whole idea of how—flashing back a week—that whole idea of how courts try to figure out what is what are sincere beliefs and what are beliefs that kind of have been—like uh, someone has spray-painted religion over— their conspiracy theories off the net. This is brand new stuff. This is all going to end up in court. And when that happens, I expect it to get the sort of coverage that you normally get from um, major press covering a Supreme Court church-state case. I do hope, just like we talked about last week, I do hope they talk to conservative church-state think tanks as well as liberal, because frankly, I think they're going to find conservatives making some arguments drawn from the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, RFRA as we normally commonly refer to it. But no, you're absolutely right. This is an ongoing story. So there's some opportunities for this this language to come back up. And I'll be honest with you, I'm looking at it right now. I, I could see myself writing a column about this next week. It didn't happen in, you know, my weekly framework of deadlines in in time for me to write about it this week. But this isn't going away.
2: Do you think the press have sufficiently explored the issue in terms of Hochul's recent statement about there not being any legitimate religious objections to the vaccination based upon, as she says, every organized religion supports vaccination?
0: Well, like I said, that's going to go to court she doesn't get to make that call when the class action lawsuit hits a court from people who were fired and denied unemployment benefits in the city of new york when that court case hits we're going to see a lot of opinions and some interesting precedents and that's going to be a fascinating case and there will be people from all kinds of religious traditions that will speak to it. And here's hoping that the press gives that a
2: good ride and goes deep on it. Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. He is author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion, and he's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, thank you. Glad to be here. I'm Todd Wilkin. Talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. Crossroads is a production of Get Religion, part of the First Amendment projects at the Overby Center at the University of
0: Mississippi. If you appreciate this podcast, please make a secure online tax-deductible donation at getreligion.org.